And Sam just asked him like, oh, what is what is that? Is that like a voice recorder? <laughs> he looked at her and totally deadpan was like, no, no, that's uh, that's my lip moisturizer. You, you can't crush the resistance with chapped lips. This week's episode of the GCL Duo Podcast. That's right. We are the Galactic Cruise Line Podcast this week, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam and I have just returned back to our Terran Earth planet after a fabulous voyage aboard the Chandrala Halcyon Star Cruiser. And we wanted to share our experience with all of you. We're so excited to do this. We are sitting poolside today by the Riviera, recovering from the experience, which we'll talk about why here in a little bit. But for those of you who are not familiar with the Galactic Star Cruiser, with both what it is and our backstory, which is kind of an important thing uh, to understand. So Galactic Star Cruiser was a hotel that Disney opened a little over a year ago now, I think, or maybe a year and a half ago now. And uh, it is a Star Wars themed hotel. It has about 300 rooms inside the hotel. I'm sorry, not 300 rooms. It has a max capacity of 300 people and 100 rooms. Uh, It is entirely themed for Star Wars with lots of onboard experiences, a day spent in Batu as your port stop, uh, tons of show elements, tons of things to do on board. I think the best way I would describe it is uh, an extended theatrical dinner <laughs> involving Star Wars or an extended mystery dinner where you're a participant involving Star Wars and all of the characters. With that in mind, it came with a hefty price tag that uh, Disney had been severely discounting here of late because they were having problems filling the hotel. And they also announced that they will be shuttering the hotel at the end of September. So these are its final voyages as a result after Disney made that announcement uh, in, I think, May that they were shuttering the hotel in September. The prices returned to normal. The cruises are sold out. Big heads up as you listen to this episode that there will be spoilers. So this is not a spoiler-free episode. Given the fact that the hotel is shutting down, we felt pretty good about sharing the entire experience with you. But if you are sailing on the Galactic Star Cruiser and want to remain spoiler-free, you should definitely skip this episode and come back to it later uh, after you've sailed to uh, see if our opinion matches your own. That said, we did have a sailing on the Star Cruiser. They're all two night sailings. Our sailing embarked on Friday, July 28th, and we returned here on Sunday, July 30th. Happens to also be the 25th anniversary of the Magic's maiden voyage today. So happy anniversary to the Magic and to Disney Cruise Line, their official 25th anniversary in the books now. Uh, But first, we've got to talk to you about our backstory. So we have talked to several folks and had a couple of episodes about the Star Cruiser, including one with Lynn Testa, and also have been chatting with the Rope Drop Radio guys in the background who have been on the Star Cruiser now three times, I believe. And we learned one very important fact, which is you got to get in the game when you're on board the Star Cruiser. And that will become more apparent what that means as we go on here. But the prep work here was to develop some kind of character backstory. And so as you can tell from our lead in up front, we were the Galactic Cruise Line duo on the Star Cruiser. We had a logo developed, we had swag made, and our backstory was that we were intergalactic cruise line podcasters reviewing all of the galaxy's cruise offerings. We were friendly to the First Order, who graciously paid for our voyage, but... 
we secretly pass messages for the resistance through our show. And so given that backstory, we, as we interacted with characters, we shared the backstory, we gave them swag uh, to help reinforce our backstory. And that's important because the deeper you got into your backstory, the more you leaned into the experience, the more things you got kind of along the way, the more experiences you got to have along the way that were very unique. So pre-sailing, we had to develop our backstory, develop our swag, develop our logo, get a handle on what we were going to say to some things as we were asked. Nathan, by the way, was with us and he played our first order minder, making sure that we were always on message for the first order. Also, before we were, the Play Disney app comes into play here a lot. It becomes your data pad. And so got some phone calls from the Star Cruiser in advance, making sure we had our data pad set up for our voyage. Uh, it acts a lot like the Disney Cruise Line app or the module within it acts a lot like the Disney Cruise Line app. It has your voyages events for the day, but it also has some interesting modules. You have comms that you get throughout the cruise from different people advancing different storylines with you. And your comms may look different than someone else's comms and you are choosing how to respond. And based on your responses, you go down different storyline paths. Uh, there were maps of the ship, obviously, which also became a part of the story because there were markers and things on the ship of things that you could go do using the Play Disney app to further help your uh, experience on board. You also had a character profile that would be updated as you did certain things, unlocked things, downloaded data, gathered items. I would also show you your character affiliations with some of the characters on board the Star Cruiser. And so uh, as you got more experience with characters, your experience rating with them would go up, their trust in you would go up and down. Uh, and that would also sort of start to map out your storyline. I should say there are probably multiple storylines. And because we only sailed once, we only got to experience maybe a handful of them. Um, we can tell that uh, as you move through the story, you can really lean into being a Jedi or just lean into being with the Resistance, which are really two different paths at some level. You could lean into being with the First Order. You could play a double agent storyline. There was an engineering storyline. There was a storyline with a character on board named Wraith and Gaia that we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, but consider Wraith almost like a Han Solo marauder for hire kind of character. And you could lean into just being fans of Gaia and working with Wraith. You could cross between storylines. There were points where you could make decisions that would shift your storyline. But it was uh, it was choose your own adventure dinner theater for two days. So. Let's start with uh, day one. Thanks to the Rope Drop Radio guys, Derek and Doug, big shout out to you for helping us through this experience. Uh, we knew to show up to the Star Cruiser about 11 a.m. when they started letting cars in so we could be one of the first families on board. And But for missing the exit the first time, we would have been there bang on 11 a.m., but instead we got there at 11.08 because I had to loop all the way around and we ended up being the second family in line to board the Star Cruiser, which was just really terrific to get on board while it was, while it was empty. While we waited outside, they were doing photos in front of the Star Cruiser sign that probably many of you have seen on social media. We posted one ourselves, uh, but they were very gracious. They had fans set up. They were passing through with um, frozen grapes, which were a big hit with the crowd and water uh, to keep us hydrated. And they let us into the air conditioned portion of the Star Cruiser early. And thankfully, because we were in that front line, we got into the air conditioning pretty quickly. I think we were only outside for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes before they let us into the Star Cruiser and the air conditioning. Uh, and then we waited there until one o'clock to board. It was actually closer to like 115 when we finally got on. We think that there might have been like a celebrity basketball player on board because there was a guy walking around who was like easily seven feet tall, but also decked out in Star Trek gear, which told me he was not a crew member playing Chewbacca. 
And uh, we could tell that there was like a family that was led on ahead of the rest of the crowd. So I think he might have been a celebrity basketball player, but I'm not a big enough NBA fan to know who he was. But we got on board and were immediately in the beautiful atrium of the Halcyon. Uh, the boarding experiences that you get in, spoiler alert, an elevator, but it has been transformed into a shuttlecraft. And so after watching a safety video to help you understand when the emergency alerts going off on the ship are part of the story versus when the emergency alerts going off on the ship are actually true emergencies outside of the story, they give you that safety video. Then you get on this shuttle and you are whisked up to the Halcyon in orbit above the planet that you're on. Um, it starts on Chandrala, which is the home planet of the Halcyon. Um, and as you're whisked up, there are windows uh, in the ceiling of shuttlecraft that sort of show you exiting the planet, getting into space, approaching the ship and docking. And then you exit out the back of the shuttlecraft and you are in the main atrium of the Halcyon. The, the ship is, is small. As I said, it's only 100 rooms, max 300 people on board. And it is not like a Disney Cruise Line ship where there are just tons of venues. You have sort of one main shop off the atrium that is called the Halcyon Gallery, I believe it's called. Uh, they have one bar off the atrium that is called the Sublight Lounge. More on that in a minute. They have the bridge, which actually comes into play throughout the story and is an activity that you can do. A small guest services desk. And other than that, it's a full atrium with lots and lots of seating because the atrium is the hub of a lot of the activity. There is a deck above the atrium that is open uh, railing, which is where a lot of the I'll say performances throughout the cruise are done. Uh, and then if you go down to deck four, I should say the decks are numbered, but they don't have, it's supposedly a ship of 13 decks, but there's really only four decks you can access. So I should say the ship nominally has 13 decks, but in reality, it has four decks. There's a seventh floor deck that has only rooms on it. There is a sixth floor deck that is just the atrium and those venues I just mentioned. There is a fifth floor deck that has just rooms on it. And then there is a fourth floor deck that has the crown of Corellia dining room, the engineering room, the brig, the cargo hold, the environmental simulator, and the lightsaber training room. The fourth floor is also where you access your shuttles for your excursions down to Batu on your second day on board. So small, small ship. Uh, there's not a lot of decks and stuff happening. And that's why the number of people on board has to be so severely capped because it would be overrun if they got above the 300 limit. Our sailing was full. Uh, there were only 85 rooms uh, in use, but they had 300 people on board. And so they limit the number of people, not the number of rooms, if that makes sense. On day one, after we boarded, we were like immediately greeted by a cast member who checked us in. We got special magic bands before we boarded. And then when we got up there, they verified the bands were working and they escorted us personally to our room, made sure we could unlock the door, showed us the amenities in the room, including a communications pad that comes into play. All of our luggage was there, so much like a cruise when we pulled up. They valeted our car, which there was no charge for. They took our luggage up to the room, so it was sitting in the room by the time we got there. And yeah, other than kind of showing us our room, because there's you know some odd things. For one, the room does not have a window in it. It has a view screen or a viewport out to space that is showing you different planetary objects, asteroids, nebulas, ships sailing by, much like if you stood on the deck of a cruise ship, you would you know see the ocean and other ships floating by. It was very, very, very well done. The room had a large queen-size bed in it, 
and then two bunk beds that were kind of built into the wall. Uh, Nathan got his favorite top bunk and uh, we had the queen size bed and it was just perfect. There was a TV on the wall that was set up to be like a like a computer screen, not like a normal TV. And it had options to show you uh, some of the things you could see in your app, like the events and things like that. Uh, and then as I mentioned, there was a communications pad that had a phone in it, but it also had a communicator to the ship's droid. And if you turned it on and tapped your magic band, you could interact with the ship's droid. And there was a little storyline that occurred with the droid throughout the cruise. Uh, she had us at one point negotiate a bribe uh, with, you know, a galactic thug kind of guy uh, that we had to pay to get us through a nebula. And there was a whole scenario. It was like interacting almost with like an Alexa or a HomePod or a Google Voice uh, system uh, where she would prompt you with something, you would give responses, and then the you know the storyline would play out and then end. At night, uh, she would give us a bedtime story, which was really hilarious. We asked for it one night, and it was the story of Star Wars, but uh, with R2-D2 as the hero, since it was being told by another droid. If we came back to our cabin, there was like a light on the communications pad that if it was red, then we had a communications from the droid, and she was needing our help with something. And so, fun little touch in the room to keep the storyline going. This experience was go, 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 go. So on the first day after we boarded, after we saw our room, we headed back down to the atrium to start exploring the ship and to get a little lunch. And I want to pass it over to Sam to start talking about the food because I know she thought the food was amazing. I'm just going to make a quick comment on the food. I, d- dear Disney Cruise Line, this food, unbelievably inventive, unbelievably flavorful. I heard no one complain about the food on board. I heard rave reviews about the food on board. And it just so makes me wonder why we can't get just some just top-notch innovative food on the cruise line if they could do it for this, you know, 100-person audience on board the Halcyon. So I thought it was really, really clever. Sam, why don't you talk to us about the Crown of Corellia dining room and the different kinds of food experiences that we had there and what you thought about the food overall? Okay, first off, I need to just echo what Brian said. The food was phenomenal. So the Crown of Corellia dining room is where you have all of your meals, except for if you are on Batu. Uh, during the day at Hollywood Studios, meaning you're at Galaxy's Edge at the parks. Your first meal at the Crown of Corellia dining room is lunch when you first arrive. Uh, So as Brian mentioned about the sort of the loading process, you get to your room, you check out your room, and then pretty much go down to Crown of Corellia dining room, which is open from, I believe it was one to four on the first day. For lunch, it is buffet style. For breakfast, it is also buffet style. For dinner, it is sit down dinner. You don't even order off a menu unless you're a child. If you're a child, you can order off like a kid's menu uh, for dinner. But otherwise, it is a, I'll call it family style served dinner for the most part. Uh, They've got these fantastic trays and they've got all these sort of, I'll call them small plates that are modular that you can stack a lot of them. Uh, They had different kinds of flatbreads. They had just really inventive spreads breads. I I can't even describe. Everything looks fantastic. It looks beautiful. It's colorful, inventive, amazing uh, for lunch. And then they always, of course, have mac and cheese with little chicken bites for the kids. Yeah, I just want to echo the the inventiveness of the food. But to give you a sense of it, like instead of a hot dog, they would have like a brown bread bun with a smoked sausage in it and some kind of unique topping to it. So you're getting a hot dog-like thing that wasn't exactly a hot dog. And then like the chicken nugget that they were serving. They weren't like breaded. They were, we think, coated in maybe Rice Krispies and like some pressed chicken. And so had a different 
different texture, different flavor. And they, of course, they called them, I think, Tauntaun Bites or something like that. So just inventive little plays on things that you might normally get, like peanut butter and jelly was sun butter and jelly inside of a dumpling kind of thing. Yeah. So for lunch, and you can go back as many times as you want, of course, for all these like small plates. And as I said, modular that fit on this tray. Uh, breakfast was kind of the same in the sense that you had the same trays and the same little modular plates. We have got some pictures of them on our uh, social media accounts. And we'll share some uh, again with this when this episode comes out. But just really fantastic stuff for breakfast. Breakfast was fantastic as well. You had a little, you know, sort of cup of uh, scrambled eggs. But then they also had this array of sausage egg, a sort of an egg roll with cheese in the middle of it, as well as these amazing waffles. At every meal, there were uh, soft drinks available, as well as blue milk, green milk, coffee, decaf coffee. Uh, you could also order iced tea or hot tea from your server. In the morning, they did come around and ask you if you wanted like any kind of latte drinks, things like that, if, if you did not want just sort of drip coffee. Really just fantastic overall uh, experience and a variety of food. I do want to talk about the dinners because the dinners are uh, n kind of interactive, I would say. There was a show, I'll, I'll call it a show during dinner, but Gaia, who Brian mentioned before, is a well-known intergalactic performer. And she is a fantastic singer. Her manager is named Wraith Cole. These are two characters who play into the story. Yeah, and actually Gaia comes into the story early, early on because at the beginning, the first real show in the atrium involves kind of the captain coming out, a character named Wraith who we mentioned earlier. You meet your cruise director, who's another storyline that's involved. You meet an engineer named Sammy. You meet a droid who's involved named SK. And what we learn right off the bat is that this amazing interstellar pop singer who sold out small moons named Gaia is supposed to be on board playing the small ship for its 275th anniversary sailing. And she's not there. Uh, and Wraith wants us to go pick her up. That is how the story kind of kicks off is we may have to go pick up Gaia and the captain doesn't want to do that. So as I was saying, Gaia does eventually end up on the ship. We end up picking another, you know, these are all spoilers. So be aware, be mindful. Uh, anyway, Gaia does end up being picked up and gets on board the ship. Her manager, Wraith Cole, as I mentioned, is very involved in the story. He's, as Brian mentioned, he's a, a bit of a shady character. And we, we got quite involved in some of his uh, exploits on board. Um, but at dinner, uh, she's performing. And this is a, I believe it was a three-course meal with uh, fantastic like bao bun appetizers that were one was a, a vegetarian korma. Uh, one was a I'll call it a beef teriyaki. And then another one was a, some kind of spiced chicken. I was also delicious, but all of them were amazing as well as like a carrot noodle salad thingamajig. For the main course, there was grilled banta, which was filet mignon. In addition to the filet, there was also a chicken dish. There was also a shrimp dish. There was a roasted vegetable dish. And there were, of course, pureed, uh, I believe it was like a pureed potato or, you know, something like that, some kind of root vegetable as well. The second night for dinner, there was also a performance a little bit different than the first night because we're further along in the storyline. I won't talk about the storyline yet, but the second dinner was a four course dinner, which included breads and spreads from Mustafar. So that each course was linked to a particular planet. That was fantastic. It was breads and sort of uh, what our waitress called spaceo queso. Our second course was from Felucia and it was a blue shrimp. I mean, it was a cocktail shrimp dish, uh, but the shrimp were dyed blue. 
and and served in a platter with dry ice. So it was a smoking, uh, amazing visual. Our third course was the braised bantha, which is a braised steak or meat course, and seared burra, which was a white fish, uh, as well as some, you know, accoutrements uh, with those. That was actually from the Tashi planet, which is where the Wookiee come from. And then our final course was from the home planet of Shangri-La, where the cruise line is from, where the Halcyon is from. And that was a multi-sensory course, which had a, a passion fruit smell that came out of the kitchen that was like you would not believe. And then it was a chocolate cake dessert. But when I say chocolate cake dessert, that's kind of an understatement. And later that night, because that was our second night or final night, there was a separate dessert celebration back down in the, uh, in the dining room which was also sort of buffet style, but they had all kinds of cookies and pastries and whatnot. But all in all, fantastic food. Of course, we had breakfast the day we left. If anybody is doing the Star Cruiser and is listening, I would highly recommend going to every meal on board and skipping the lines in Galaxy's Edge for Ronto Roasters or for the um, Docking Bay 7 because uh, you, while those are included meals, if you go in Galaxy's Edge as a part of the Star Cruiser, you do still have to wait in line and the food is so fantastic on board the Chandrila. I would highly recommend it. Now, there are also additional food options in the Sublight Lounge. Uh, the Sublight Lounge is, of course, the bar on board. It is open to all ages um, at all times when it's open. Um, so it's not an adult exclusive venue. It has a beautiful and amazing hologram sabak table. So that sabak table is also very busy the entire cruise. And I would say the Sublight Lounge is a fairly busy venue, but there always seem to be some place to sit. You can order bites there as well as um, dinner should you choose to forego some ex the experience in the dining room. Uh, I would recommend, you know, maybe trying a bite there too, but I would not recommend missing out on dinner in the Crown of Coralia dining room. I have to talk about the drinks because the drinks on board are similarly fantastic to the food. You can get drinks in the dining room at dinner time. You can also get drinks at any time in the Sublight Lounge. They're, they're all themed, of course, really well done. Some with these very interesting foams. We've got pictures of some, and I've got pictures of the menu, which we'll share on our social media as well. Yeah, I just also wanted to mention that soft drinks are included throughout the cruise. So if you got a soft drink at the Sublight Lounge, like Nathan would get a Sprite. We didn't have to pay for that. There were water dispensers, both sparkling still and then ambient temperature water available in the atrium. They provided bottles in the room that you could refill for water in your room. You could also ask for water bottles at guest services and they would give you a, you know, a small bottle of Dasani and they had snacks out all day, like rotating snacks, goldfish crackers, cookies, like that sort of stuff. So if you needed a snack, you could grab one. I just want to echo the sabak table was amazing and always full. It was only for four people. So it just seemed like it was always full. We got to play a bunch on our first day because people hadn't discovered it fully yet. We're still boarding the ship and that was great. And Nathan played it throughout and was just enthralled by it. He loved playing sabak. Uh, for those of you who don't know, sabak is a card game in Star Wars, has many, many different iterations, and they play a fairly simple iteration of it on the Star Cruiser so that people can play it easily. You essentially roll some dice and you're trying to make a number that the dice reflect and also a suit that the dice reflect. There's betting and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's a fun little game to play and pass the time. And on the drinks, I just want to highlight, we had this um, really fun drink in the Satellite Lounge called the crate reactor. It was for a drink for two to four people. It was a tequila based drink with some lychee in it and some other things. 
but it came out in this really fun presentation. They started playing music. People were clapping and singing. Uh, and then they set the drink down and the uh, server gives you some instructions over how best to consume the drink. And as our server walked away, she just like threw a bunch of bar napkins in the air like confetti. Uh, so it was, it was just it was a lot of fun. I'd say the atmosphere and the people on board were some of the biggest selling points to the cruise. I mean, there's only, you know, max 300 people on board the ship and you start seeing the same people over and over again. They're in character. They're in costume. They've got a storyline for the most part. Uh, they're in all the same venues that you're in. And so it pretty quickly becomes a bit of camaraderie on board and everyone is just there to have a good time and interact and have fun. Uh, so a real selling point of being on the ship was just the people that we got to meet and have fun with. Uh, it was just really amazing. And, and some of their backstories were so involved. Their costumes were so involved. It was just so fun to be a part of that, uh, the part of that group. Before we get to the storyline, I did want to make one comment, which is that the cast members on board, I'm setting aside the people, the actors who are doing a lot of the interacting, but just like the servers, the bar staff, the guest services staff, all of them amazing. They are some of the most amazing cast members we have ever met. They never broke character once. You never heard a no from them anywhere. They were there to help you and make your experience above and beyond. I will say it reminds me of Disney Cruise Line pre-pandemic. Post-pandemic, I feel like Disney Cruise Line has been giving a few more no's here and there than what we're used to seeing. Uh, it sometimes feels like the cast may be not going as above and beyond as they used to, or at least some of them not. Um, I'm hoping that that improves as you know, sort of things smooth out with the cruise lines. They've hired a lot of new people. But this felt like a concierge staff experience everywhere throughout the ship. And even though this thing is closed, Closing in September, I never saw a single person not trying to do their best. I never saw a single person complain. I never heard a single person say a thing. They would not even break character to talk about it with us. They would talk about the ship heading into dry dock soon and how they might get a vacation, but that was it. And I just uh, kudos to that cast because they have to be in a really tough position knowing that they're all going to be out of a job in two months unless Disney helps them find something. Um, I really hope maybe the cruise line picks up some of these cast members somehow. They would make great, great entertainment staff on board the cruise line. But man, just what a special cast and crew on board just from Jump Street. They were amazing. Um, let's talk about the storyline for a second. So the story starts in the atrium. Uh, basically, there's a, a starting storyline that we have to go pick up Gaia. Uh, we know getting onto the ship that the ship is under investigation by the First Order for activities on board. And so there's an initial show where all the characters kind of come out and make their introductions. So you start to know who's the captain, who's the cruise director. Oh, here's an engineer. Here's the droid. Oh, here's Wraith, who's Gaia's manager and kind of a scoundrel on board. And here's the Saja, or the, um, the Saja is the name for teacher. So it's the, let's call them Jedis on board. They do the lightsaber training. They practice the ways of, of the Jedi, but in a covert way and have found a home on board. The Halcyon is kind of their storyline. And so you start to meet all of these people. At the same time, you can kind of go start to explore the ship. And really, they want you to touch and play with everything. Tap your magic band on card readers, try to hack ships' consoles, pull buttons, pull lever, or hit buttons, pull levers, whatever. Bridge is open for most of the day. The, there's consoles in there you can go check out. But it's like as soon as we tapped our magic bands to try and get into engineering, well, we couldn't. It wouldn't unlock the door. But then, you know, a few minutes later, we're getting some comms from people going, I see you're trying to get into engineering. You want to help me out with something? And then you get in that room and there's just all kinds of stuff that you can start to do and communications you get to try to do things. 
Um, there's ways to hack these panels to unlock the brig and have some fun there. And so one of the places they have is the environmental simulator, which is also the smoking lounge, but we didn't see anyone smoking in there. They encourage you to go in there and check it out. It's supposed to simulate the environment of Batu, where we'll be headed the next day, uh, funny enough. But anyway, um, the, the, sh- the story really starts with that exploration and just trying to figure things out. And that really gets you started down a path. And then they have this thing in the atrium and they have a show, but the characters actually come down to the atrium level. And you're encouraged just to go up and start interacting with them and join the crowd of people around them and start throwing lines at them. Right. And so we were interacting on our storyline with Wraith in the atrium to start. And he just mentioned that, you know, this whole thing with Gaia not being able to make it on board, man, we really ought to go ask the captain for a refund. If you know, if you see her, ask her for a refund. So we wandered over and we had talked to the captain earlier, but we made an excuse to introduce her to our son and said, you know, hey, captain, I think we're going to need a refund on our cruise fare if we can't get Guy on board. And, you know, she kind of leaned in and said, you know, well, you're gonna have to talk to Wraith about a refund. But, uh, you know, you seem like resistance minded people because we had shirts on that had a little resistance logo on it. She's like, why don't you come to the special captain's reception at uh, 745 across from the Crown of Corellia lounge this evening or Crown of Corellia restaurant? And so it's like, in that moment, you've started down a path because you're going to meet with the captain. She's going to get you set up for things. You're going to go do things, tap your band, keep you know advancing the story. At the same time, now we're locked in with Wraith and Wraith wants us to come meet him someplace at four o'clock to have a little conversation. And when you do that, then they have these little side conversations. They really, they have invited people and they will exclude others. And those people who've been invited, they can continue to advance the storyline. Um, eventually, the ship does get sort of taken over by the First Order, and there's a plot developing and a conflict developing between the crew. You start to start to take sides over who you're going to help. And as that develops, then you start more and more missions. And those missions continue onto your port stop, which is Batu. Last thing I'll say before I hand it over to Sam, though, I, just to highlight, the experience every day runs until about 10 o'clock at night. You got to be up at like seven o'clock in the morning, the only full day on board. So you're going from, you know, when you board till 10, up at seven till 10. If you want any time to kind of sit around in the lounge or whatever, it's up until 11. You know, and then today we were up early again to get off the ship and, you know, or have breakfast and get off the ship. So it is very much like you are not in your room for very long. Uh, It is really about being out on the ship, on Batu, in the lounge, in the atrium, finding these characters, advancing your storyline, doing missions. So, but Sam, talk to folks about what it was like to head down to Batu for our shore excursion. Okay, so talking about Batu is great. Um, When we got up on day two, we got up early, as Brian mentioned, and went to the Crown of Corellia dining room. Uh, I think we stopped at the room because we had forgotten something. And then we headed for our shuttle to Batu. Now, our shuttles, they say leaving every 15 minutes, I believe, starting at 8 a.m. We got on to our shuttle, I think, around 8.15. We were probably on maybe the second or third shuttle. I'm not sure how many had gone before us, but there certainly weren't many. And it takes, I think, only about, I think they said about 16 people as their max in the shuttle. And I think there were maybe 15 in our shuttle just based on sort of the party configurations. Again, more spoilers, but you get into what you can tell is like the interior, some kind of vehicle. It's either a bus or a box truck. I Brian thinks it's a box truck. I disagree that you can tell that that's what it is, though. They, this is really well done. Well, yes. I mean, but you you are you are getting you're just going through a door and then you're getting into a vehicle where you're seated sideways. And when I say it's kind of like bus seats and you're allowed to actually stand as well. Um, and then it's maybe a, you know, five minute ride. 
Again, as Brian mentioned, there's like sound and visuals on screens. So you, you know, you're supposed to feel like you're traveling, you know, through space uh, from, of course, it's essentially like a... uh, like a tender that you're in. So you're tendering from the Halcyon Star Cruiser to the planet of Batu. You get off and you are in, you're already in Galaxy's Edge. It's fantastic. There's kind of a special area that's shaded. It's a, they call it the, the, I think the launching dock. And that's where they have cold towels and cold water throughout the day. So if you are a Star Cruiser passenger, you can come and go to that area as you please. And that's where you would get on your shuttle to go back. I think it's Docking Bay 3 is what they call it. And it's right in between where the first order shop and ship is and, you know, Oga's. So when you get off, you already have some missions that are you are set to do, like stealing the coaxium for the ship in order for us to basically rescue the ship from the first order. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in the app when you're looking at essentially a map of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and it has different missions that you can do. So some of them involve, of course, the ride, the smugglers run on the Millennium Falcon, and then some involve uh, the Rise of the Resistance ride. You There are alternatives. If you do not want to ride those rides, they give you alternative, I think, missions to do. So if you have a small child who is too small to go on those rides, or if you are um, too scared to go on those rides, or frankly, if the rides break down, there are alternatives to doing the rides. But you, if you do the rides, you want to make sure to tap in because when you tap in, that unlocks things again, more in the app, more activities for you to do because it knows that you have um, been a part of the resistance or, and, or and you have smuggled coaxium. And so it opens up different activities. Now, with your magic band, or they call it an M band on the uh, Halcyon. But with your M-band, you get one lightning lane entry to each of the two rides in Galaxy's Edge. So the two, of course, Rise of the Resistance and the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride. But also around Batu, as I mentioned, you have all of these, um, I'll call them missions to do. And they involve using, you know, scanning QR codes on crates all over the place. They involve helping with Hondo with some inventory of shipments that need to go to different places and making sure they have the right labels on them. They involve doing... Uh, different puzzles on your phone and reading through different storylines and making different choices, as Brian mentions, passing messages, um, hacking into systems. All of this is done basically on your data pad, which is your phone, uh, again, through the app and by scanning things and moving your phone around in different ways. So it essentially is a, a video game or a puzzle. Would you like a chance to sail with the DCL Duo? Well, we have an opportunity for you. That's right. Next June is going to be our first ever inaugural DCL Duo podcast cruise. And we have a fun lineup of stuff on its way for that sailing. We're going to be on the magic for a three-night Bahamian sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on June 19th next year, 2024, with a stop at Lighthouse Point, one of the first sailings to go to Lighthouse Point. We are so excited to welcome all of you you, our listeners and fans out there to join us on this sailing. We've got some special things we want to do, including potentially an onboard recording of the podcast, which will just be so much fun. If you are interested in sailing with us, we would love to meet you. We always love to meet and interact with our listeners. So if you're interested, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. That's mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. Let them know you're interested in this sailing. We have a room block reserved, which means you've got opening day pricing locked in for some of our remaining rooms. So head over there, check it out. We'd love to see you on board with that. Thanks to My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show. And now back to the episode. 
Yeah, and I just want to say bravo to Disney. They used every part of Galaxy's Edge in this quest. Like we went to Oga's to get like a special coaster that we then had to scan. We were over in the resistance area doing work in addition to riding the ride. We were in the marketplace, Droid Depot, like over by the restrooms that were a crate. Like there was stuff to do in every part of Galaxy's Edge. So it didn't feel like you got off, did some things, rode some rides, and got back on the ship or had time to go to Hollywood Studios. Like we were working solidly for like three to four hours down on Batu and then heading back up and we didn't even get everything done. I mean, to be fair, I think we got 95% of it done. And if you eliminate, like we didn't do any of the, well, I did one, but we didn't really do any of the first order tasks because we didn't want to get sent down that storyline. I think we probably got 99% of it done, but there was like, there was stuff to do in the ride queues themselves (laughs) to help out Hondo. And we were like, I don't want to go back through the Millennium Falcon ride queue for a third time today. So our aim was get down there, get this stuff done get all of our missions complete, get back on the ship by noon to have lunch in the air conditioning as opposed to staying off world. I think Sam mentioned you could have, you, they would pay for your lunch down on world if you wanted to stay longer. And by the way, that included an alcoholic beverage if you were an adult. So I just bravo to Disney for using the entirety of Black Spire Outpost for this. So all in all, I think we were at Galaxy's Edge for about four hours because we got on our shuttle to Batu at about 8.15. And so we got to Batu, uh, you know, by 8.30 and we left Batu at about 12.30 in the afternoon. So like Brian said, you know, we didn't even do everything there is to do. We did most of it, to be fair. And there are only a handful of things we didn't do because we did not want to be part of the First Order storyline. One thing about the storyline that Brian and I forgot to mention is Lieutenant Croy. Lieutenant Croy is your the First Order leader and two stormtroopers and he are the ones who come on board very early on in the in the in the storyline. So on the day 1 very early on the two the three of them I should say come on to do as Brian mentioned an inspection of the ship because there's suspected resistance activity on the ship and eventually they end up sort of taking over the ship uh, before of course a rescue mission happens on day 2. But on the first night We were in the dining room and we had not really interacted with Lieutenant Croy much, uh, but we were sitting sort of near the center of the dining room. And as the show is going on, meaning as Gaia is singing on stage, Lieutenant Croy comes and sits down at our table. As you all know, we're a party of three, Brian, myself and our son, Nathan. And so there was an empty seat at our table and he sat with us for most of the meal. I think the beginning of the meal, he sat at a different table and then he sort of spent the the vast majority of the meal with us. We had some of the funniest moments of the entire experience and some of the best moments of the entire experience with Lieutenant Croy. He, he was just hilarious. He was apparently a big fan of Gaia, so he was enjoying the music. He was very suspicious of Wraith. Uh, her manager, who, as we mentioned, is quite a bit of a scoundrel. And and we helped him, you know, do some missions uh, on board. Uh, we won't go into obviously every mission we did on board because that would be impossible. One for us to remember and two for us to recount on a show like this. But um, at one point there were glow sticks handed out and put on our tables. And so we, you know, cracked our glow, glow sticks and started sort of waving them around to the music with, you know, one guy I was singing. I handed Lieutenant Croy one of the glow sticks and he looks at us and is like, what do I do with this? And I show him, they wave it back and forth and he starts waving it back and forth like very stiffly. And it was really, really funny. A little bit later on in the show, um, Wraith comes and starts a dance party and it's really meant to be a distraction. 
Uh, but he tries to teach Lieutenant Croy how to dance. I've got some video up on our Facebook, one of our reels, and it is hilarious. So myself and Wraith are teaching Lieutenant Croy how to dance, and it's it's just incredibly hilarious. And then there's one other experience. I want to tell, let Brian tell this story because I think he tells it better than I would. There's there's actually two that I wanted to highlight. So one was uh, where we're sitting there, like the character will interact with you. I mean, he's just sitting there. You can talk to him all you want. Uh, the server would bring him food and set out a place setting like he was having dinner and then make snide comments to us like, sorry for this intrusion to your dinner, folks, you know, kind of thing. But at one point, Lieutenant Croy took out something from his pocket and kind of like set it down the table and like it clicked. And Sam just asked him, like, oh, what is what is that? Is that like a voice recorder? And he looked at her and totally deadpan was like, no, no, that's uh, that's my lip moisturizer. You, you can't crush the resistance with chapped lips. And like, it was just one of the lines of the cruise. Uh, and we were the only ones to hear it. He was just interacting with us for a half hour. I mean, where else in Disney do you sit with someone who is fully in character at your dinner table for a half hour? This was not drive-by pictures with characters. Um, the other funny interaction that Sam had was as they were going around the dining room, talking to some of the guests, they would, you know, ask them where they were from. And somebody said that they were from Alderaan. And Sam said, oh, that must be a planet many, many parsecs away to Lieutenant Croy. And he says, I don't know, it sounds pretty detonated to me. And then looked at Sam and was like, too soon? And she looked at him and said, maybe not soon enough. And then Sam cheers to Lieutenant Croy. And now Sam was kind of skirting with a double agent plot line for a little bit. He invited her to some secret meeting later in the evening. And I, I can't recall if she went or not, but but it was just, I mean, where else in the Disney, you know, portfolio would you have that experience? It was unreal. I have to highlight it while we're talking about characters that these aren't the only characters involved. At one point, there was a mission in the atrium where Chewbacca comes on board and we need to hide Chewbacca and move him around the ship. And so like a crowd develops and Chewbacca one of the best Chewbacca costumes I've ever seen. And this guy's like crouched down in a crowd trying to get moved off the atrium into the engine room. Ray joins the fight at one point. I'll say Master Yoda made an appearance. I do want to talk about a couple of the, the finale meetings that we have at Master Yoda makes an appearance. And then ultimately Kylo Ren comes on board and there's a, just this epic finale battle on the ship that is like the big shipwide moment where the ship is taken back, all the plot lines start to resolve, and then we all go into this celebratory dessert experience at the end of the cruise. I want to highlight that in addition to these like little moments and meetings and missions that you can get assigned through interacting with the characters, there were activities on people's schedules for everyone, right? So, you know, that atrium-wide show that starts off the cruise is something that's on everyone's itinerary to get things kicked off. They had sabak tournaments, like I played in a sabak tournament. They had a bingo, yeah, bingo-like game called Sector Set that we got to play. There was there were dance lessons, there were drink tastings you could sign up for if you really wanted to. Um, but there were also these other activities that were just amazing. And so one of them was lightsaber training. The effect that Disney did with lightsaber training was unreal. Uh, you were standing in front of training droids that were giving you kind of a hint at where they would fire. And then they were shooting things. And then uh, Master Yoda kind of comes in the room. And the Saja who's leading the training is, you know, just completely blown away by the fact that there's enough force in the room to bring Master Yoda back. because She's never heard from Master Yoda before. And, you know, he wants us to train, you know, not blindfolded, but, you know, without using the benefit of these guiding beams and still deflecting the blaster shots. And they had these special shields that people who weren't working with the lightsabers were able to use to help out. It was it was lightsaber training was unreal. Other experience everyone had on board at some point was bridge training. Bridge training was unreal. You got to there were like four stations. It was 
shields, engineering or systems, I think it was called weapons and loading. And it was like one humongous view screen out the front of the ship. I mean, gigantic. And everyone was working off that view screen or within view screens right on their station to solve puzzles, shoot down training droids, haul cargo onto the ship, defend the ship from incoming projectiles, like just all this stuff. And it was unbelievable. And then on various plot lines that came back into effect because you were on the bridge with your character and needed to do something with the ship. Like they were covertly taking over command of the ship to do something. And then you needed to be able to operate all the systems consoles while you were trained to do that. Just some unbelievable group experiences, some unbelievable small group experiences. And then I think the thing that we need to highlight is at the end of the cruise, right before all of the sort of big finale shows, there were lots of these little, very special meetings that you got to go to if you had really leaned into the experience. So Nathan and I, for instance, were invited to a advanced lightsaber training, which was really we were helping the Saja bring lost Jedi artifacts back on board the ship. And we walk into a room and there is our Saja trainer, but also Ray and this droid uh, SK, who's part of the story. And they open up a crate and lo and behold, it's a holocron cube. And it has a message from Master Yoda. And they had this amazing 3D holographic effect. They had people sitting all the way around in a circle. And Master Yoda kind of pops up and starts talking to you. And it was an unbelievable effect. I know Lynn Testa was on and said he could not figure out how they did this effect. I have no idea. But it was really, truly unbelievable. And it was just a small group experience that they, they ran. Some people... I think got to meet like a Darth Vader or Kylo Ren more likely. Um, you know, some people had some smaller experiences involving other characters. But as your plot line sort of evolved and started to wrap up, you would get sucked into these really like kind of small group experiences on board that were just, they were just unbelievable. And so stepping back for a second, I want to kind of talk about the the actors who were involved and give them just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous kudos that they never broke character. Nothing distracted them from getting kind of the information and plot line advanced. Kids could throw any kind of comment at them and they could find a way to build it in, find a way to acknowledge it. Uh, you left feeling like you had, you know, you were part of the story, not just watching the story. Um, there was a heist that we got to participate in that where they were stealing something out of a locked case in the atrium. And we all had to play a role in distracting people, getting stormtroopers out of the way, moving the captain into the lounge so she didn't see what was happening. Uh, Sam and I and two other couples were asked to simulate a proposal in the middle of the atrium so that everyone would turn and watch us while this character, you know, stole the thing out of the, the case. And then, you know, it, it was just, it, it was unbelievable. Like it was a, a whole shipwide activity, but we had a little role to play that no one else knew what our role was. And I, again, where are you going to find that in Disney? Now, I want to give my final review and some final thoughts from both of us. Um, I'm going to start with my final thoughts here. Disney's clearly shut this down. It, it is a tough experience from a cost standpoint. So I just, you know, highlight it's a five to $6,000 experience for a party of three, you know, upwards of, you know, seven to eight for a party of four, the cabins sleep up to four. That's tough. That's tough from a price point for two days. That makes it really, really difficult because not everyone can do it. Not everyone has that kind of money to do it. And if you're looking at, you know, that $5,000 price point, I know Lynn has said before you can go to Europe for that. that. That's tough. It's also, you know, not clear that it's not overly niche. They were having problems selling out the rooms. Um, now that they have announced it's closing, it's completely booked up through September for people who want to get one more experience of it in or experience it for the only time. Um, I will say, you know, look for the price you did get 
your car parked, your luggage moved, outstanding cast, all food included. The only thing we paid for on board was, you know, merchandise we bought or alcoholic beverages that we bought. But everything was paid for. And if I think about that, you know, a lot of people have compared it to like a Disney Cruise Line experience. I'm not even sure. I think this was unique. Like, I I don't think I could compare it one-to-one to to Disney Cruise Line because Disney Cruise Line doesn't have to stand up a whole infrastructure around a shore excursion. They just have to get somebody to contract with them to provide a bus and a tour guide. Like, they have a whole data pad experience going on, plot lines that run through it, content, stories, characters, all of this sort of stuff that has to happen when you go down to Batu. Um, which, by the way, we didn't have to have a separate park ticket. Um, so, you know, is it was it worth the price? I absolutely think what we spent was what it took to make this experience happen. That is unfortunate from the standpoint that not everyone could have it. Uh, it's also unfortunate from the standpoint that I think it just, from a unit economics perspective, it can't operate at a bigger scale. Um, it just doesn't scale one-to-one. They couldn't add another 300 rooms or something because then they'd have to add more cast, more plot lines, more stories, more actors, more food. It just, it, it ex, you know, the price doesn't go one-to-one. It's like an, you know, an exponential price increase the more people that you continue to add in. Um, I think uh, I was talking to Derek from Rope Drop Radio. I want to echo a sentiment that he shared with me. I think this is a, just, it was a marketing failure. Like it's hard to explain this experience. Even as you're listening to this podcast, you're probably struggling to fully understand what it was like to be on board this ship. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of Elani and DVC. Alani has been a struggle for DVC to sell out in part because I think it's hard to really help an East Coast you know, person understand why would I want to stay at a Disney property in Hawaii when I can stay someplace else. But then you go and you experience it, you're hooked. <laughs> you are absolutely hooked. The number of people I know who have flown out to Alani, stayed there, and then bought points there, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Because once you experience it, you want to you wanna go there all the time. And I, Star Cruiser for me was exactly that. I am not the world's biggest Star Wars fan. In fact, when we got on board, I think we were talking about how we were with the Empire. And then I realized, oh, in this plot line or where we are in the timeline, it's the First Order, not the Empire. So like, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I'm also usually not the person who wants to go to dinner theater and participate. And uh, I will say this, there is there is no way you can't participate on this cruise. I mean, there are some people who don't get as involved as others. The actors are so good that they draw you into the story, even if you weren't intending to be a part of it. And so that is a really, really difficult thing to do. It's a really difficult thing for people to understand. And um, I think people looked at it and said, why would I spend, you know, six grand on two nights at a hotel when I could go for a week on Disney Cruise Line? And I would tell you it's because it's not a vacation. It's an experience. You are paying for an immersive experience. And that is just fundamentally different than going on a Disney cruise and sitting by the pool and having drinks and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So Derek asked me a great question today uh, when we were chatting about it. And uh, he said, you know, if they had had an onboard placeholder, would you have booked it? And I 100%. Now that I've experienced it, I am truly, truly devastated that this thing is closing. Nathan was sad. He wants to go back and do it again. And there's no possibility of us being able to do that. I am so glad that we had the experience once because it's for me, this was the pinnacle of what Disney storytelling, Imagineering, uh, operations can really put together if they really, you know, just shoot for the moon. And it just, you know, unfortunately didn't work. And I'll say if Disney couldn't make it work, I'm not sure anybody can, but really sad to see it go. I thought it held its value for what we paid. Value is a difficult thing because people have different amounts of disposable income, and I'm going to acknowledge that. 
but I would go back in a heartbeat. I would probably go back easily once every other year, maybe once a year even, just to just to have fun and dust off the costumes and try a different storyline and see where it went. So I don't know, Sam, what do you think about the experience to to round it out? And I should say, we, we will also ask Nathan a few questions at the very end of the show to see what he thought about it so you can hear the kids take on it. But Sam, bring it home here. What's your final thoughts and review? It was incredible. There is nothing to compare this to. There is nothing that parallels this experience. It was so good. I, I don't even really have the words to describe how good this was. What I do want to point out and what I do want to say thank you to is every cast member on board the Star Cruiser. Every cast member, not just, I mean, well, as Brian mentioned, you know, the actors were phenomenal. And I want to explain what I what he means by this because they are actors, but they have to be unscripted like 99% of the time. They have certain, I'm sure, uh, spiels that they have to give in order to make the story advance in the way it's supposed to advance. And so, as you know, Brian, as we mentioned, we've given spoilers. We haven't given you the whole storyline because uh, there's so many offshoots of the main storyline. But the main storyline, of course, is you know, Ray comes back and and essentially helps rescue the ship. But everybody actually plays a role in rescuing the ship. There is end up being there does end up being a big battle at the end between Kylo Ren and Ray. That's fantastic. And of course, Chewie comes back and plays a role as well. But these cast members, they have to improvise so much of their of their work and they're interacting with you and whatever you say to them they have to play off of it so they have to figure out a way to get whatever you said into the storyline and then to advance it and they're just so good at it i mean these obviously are, are professional actors but they have to be so good on their feet i'm sure it's an exhausting job that they have because they do this, you know, two days in a row. And they're, these are long days because some of them have to go probably into extensive time in hair and makeup before uh, you get to see them for the first time. And they're working, you know, as Brian mentioned, very long days. Now, you don't start seeing the characters until I'll say midday or, or early afternoon. But then they're up and around until 10 p.m. So they're, you're, you know, you're seeing them on and off throughout the entire afternoon into the evening into, you know, till about 10 they are just so good at what they do. But in addition to that, you've got fantastic service at every point in your experience. From the per first person who brings you onto your shuttle, uh, from the person who uh, takes you from the atrium to your stateroom, from the folks at the passenger services desk to the servers in the Crown of Coralia dining room. Shout out to Emma, who was a fantastic server in the Crown of Coralia dining room to the bartenders and servers in the sublight lounge, from the cast members that are leading you at sector set or teaching you sabak or, you know, every interaction, they all tell you what home planet they're from. They tell you about their home planet. They ask you where you're from. They ask you about your backstory. I mean, they are all playing an acting role as well, even though their primary role is not as an actor. And as Brian mentioned, none of them breaks character whatsoever. There are certain sayings on board. Um, instead of good morning or hello, everyone says good journey. Now, the lingo changes when you get to Batuu. Everyone says uh, bright suns in the morning or ri and rising moons in the evening. So it, there is just some fantastic um, touches that play in both on board and at Batuu in Galaxy's Edge. And if from end to end, it is an immersive experience. I think you get what you want out of this experience. And so Brian mentioned, yeah, the characters can pull you into the story. I do think it takes some effort. If you want to be involved in the story, you do have to take some effort. If you stay on the outskirts, you don't interact with the characters, 
you're probably not going to get out of it the experience that we got out of this. But if you really immerse yourself and put yourself out there, it can be a fantastic experience. We did come along, as Brian mentioned, with some swag. And I do think that also went a a way towards telling the characters, telling the cast members, we're here to play, meaning we're here to be a part of the story and we want to be involved. And so help us get involved. And so I do think there are some pointers to getting the best experience out of the Star Cruiser. Another one is just putting yourself out there. If you see a crowd going and doing something, go join in, follow, see what they're doing. All in all, a fantastic experience. I would say worth the money uh, because this is a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. As Brian mentioned, if it was not closing down in September, we would make it a regular part of our Disney repertoire and we would be going, I'd say, at least every other year. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know Sam, she is one of the most cost-conscious people that I know. And for her to say that a two-night experience worth $6,000 is something that she might do every year and was worth it. That is an unbelievably ringing endorsement. I, I cannot underscore that. I did realize that we forgot to mention all of the great merchandise on board and a really cool experience that they have in the gallery or the gift shop, as it you know as you would probably call it. Um, just some really fun merchandise, some really unique items that are particular to the Star Cruisers. They have like a special lightsaber hilt. They have special pins. You know, clothing galore. They have a special droid. Uh, you know, that you can buy that is reflective of the SK droid that we are dealing with on the ship. They have special Halcyon Sabak sets and Sabak chips and like all of this stuff is going for unbelievable amounts of money on on eBay. But um, just some really interesting and fun Star Wars style merchandise. And we certainly picked up our fair share. Uh, so just really, really fun. There is a special experience that if you go into the shop, well, it's very empty. And I mean, really, really empty. And you tell them that uh, you might be interested in uh, some artifacts. They have some secret compartments that they can open with some special pins that are Halcyon pins, but then have special ways to you know transform into demonstrating your support for the resistance. So there's a, you have to use the word that you're looking for artifacts, and then there's a special passcode that you can learn from the characters online to get to those artifacts too. So anyway, uh, with that, we are going to spend a few minutes here to chat with Nathan about some of his favorites on board and what he thought about the experience, and then we will wrap things up. Nathan, what did you think about the ship itself and our cabin and all that fun stuff? 100% awesome. Okay, can you give us a little bit more detail there, buddy? Like what parts did you like and and that sort of stuff? The adventurous stuff was very fun. I love the amount of detail they added. It really looks like you're actually on a Star Wars cruiser. Did you like bridge training? Yes, although the first one we did, the first station we did was the hardest station. It was kind of familiar to the Millennium Falcon ride at Disney World and Disneyland, where where there's engineer, pilot, gunner. There was like shields, weapons, service. Yeah, it was very fun. Yeah, so the first station we did was the system station, right? And it was like solving little puzzles with dials and switches and stuff, right? Yep. What was your favorite station? Service station. What did you think about lightsaber training, Nathan? Did, was that fun? Yes, it, it was fun. Although there is one detail that I'm not going to share about it, but you might figure it out if you do it yourself. Yeah, the part where we had to use the lightsabers without like the guide light 
kind of thing? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we won't spoil that for people. Who was your favorite character on the ship, buddy? There was the captain, there was Gaia, there was her manager, Wraith, there was Sammy, there was... Who, so who was your favorite? Wraith, because he, he... He seemed very nice, and... And and he he actually, like, you could go on a lot of missions with him. What did you think about Lieutenant Croy and the Stormtroopers? I mean, Lieutenant Croy, he was good at cracking jokes, but kind of a thumbs down. And did you like the food on the ship? Did you enjoy the food that we got to eat? 100% yes. Now, you had mac and cheese both nights. I thought the mac and cheese was pretty phenomenal. Would you agree about the mac and cheese? Kind of. Why Why only kind of? It had a bit too much melted cheese to me. <laughs> I don't think that can ever be a problem, but that's just me. What was your favorite thing that we got to do on Batu? Millennium Falcon. Because it's my favorite ride in the Batu because... It just, it's really fun. You get to do, you have to do all this kind of like, like stuff to help the Millennium Falcon and make sure it doesn't crash. You like Millennium Falcon better than Rise of the Resistance? Yes. Wow, that is a change because Nathan's favorite ride in the park used to be Rise of the Resistance. So that's a pretty big change. What was your favorite activity overall on the ship, buddy? Maybe something you got up to in the Sublight Lounge? Sabak. It's just a really fun game. Yeah, and Nathan's underselling it here because he was running the Sabak table last night before we got off the ship. He was playing one round where he won the round in the first hand and could have just folded the remaining three hands and still walked away with the most chips at the table, or the most credits at the table, I should say. So Nathan was a pretty good Sabak player by the end of the cruise. Would you go back, buddy, if they were going to keep this thing open, would you go back? 100%. Why? Like, what about it did you love the most? The fact that it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure game. Depending on what you do, your adventure changes. What would you do differently next time? Is there there a storyline or a character that you didn't get to to hang out with a lot that you would want to try to hang out with more? No, but what I would do different next time is on Batu. I tried to do... I tried to do all the jobs that I can. I think you did most of the jobs on Batu, so I think you did a pretty good job at that. Did you get a souvenir from on board, buddy, that you really like? The pins. All right. Well, there you have it from Nathan. And uh, we just want to say thanks for listening. We know this has probably been a longer episode than usual, but uh, just so much to share, so much fun that we had. Truly unforgettable experience that we will not be able to recreate or repeat in my estimation. I will be interested to see if Adventures by Disney later this year is something that surpasses this. It's got an uphill battle in my mind now because, uh, man, if anyone out there needs someone to fill out their room on the Star Cruiser, reach out to us because I really, really would love to be able to go back before it closes in September. So unreal experience. Glad we had it. Thanks for listening out there. And we will see you next time. See you somewhere in the galaxy. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find 
find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.